Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the word that you gave to us to, uh, to teach us salvation, uh, to teach us um, who you are. We pray that you might bless us today as we listen to your word. We pray that you might bless Dave as he speaks to us and teaches us your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, John chapter 8, verses 31 to 59. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How then? How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now the slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me, because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own, God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said the Lord, but I, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, now we know that you are demon possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste a death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet fifty years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I'm free to do what I want any old time. Do you know that song? 
it's a classic uh, by the Rolling Stones. I'm free to do what I want any old time. But is that true? Are we truly free to do whatever we want whenever we want to? Look, if, if I was a, a famous uh, white film producer, I might have been free to grope whoever I wanted in the past, but thanks to the Me Too campaign, thankfully people aren't so free to do that anymore. And certainly not everyone is free to post Bible verses on the social media. And so maybe we should change the lyrics to, well, I'm free to do what I want as long as everyone else says it's okay. But is that freedom? And if we think we are, but if we think about the reality of life, most of us aren't free to just get up and do whatever we want tomorrow. You know, we've got jobs and, and mortgages and, and families and studies to continue. We aren't truly free to just get up and do whatever we want any old time. There are many things that constrain us, some, some good and, and bad, but, but that really limit our freedom, as the song suggests. And yet this morning, Jesus declares, there is true freedom. The truth will set you free. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so I wonder if our understanding of freedom is flawed. Because as we'll see this morning, those who Jesus speaks with and interacts with here, the crowds, well, they're confused about freedom as well. Well, Jesus has been at the festival of the tabernacles uh, since chapter 7. <clears throat> and the festival was a great time of remembering God's, God's provision from them in the past, uh, but also in the present. And as Jesus stands and teaches in the temple complex, uh, his teaching has really divided uh, the crowds. And yet some have been compelled to believe. And so as Jesus continues speaking, we're kind of picking up, there's no, there's no break in, in the passage, he just kind of continues speaking uh, from where we were last week. Jesus now speaks to those who said they believed in verse 30. And he says to them in verse 31, have a look there, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Well, what's a disciple of Jesus? What is a true and genuine, genuine follower of, of him? Well, as it says there, it is someone who holds true to Jesus' teaching, who continues in his word, someone who sticks to Jesus through thick and thin, regardless of the ups and downs of life. It is perseverance until the end. And while some have believed in Jesus, will they hold firm to his teaching? Will they hold true uh, till the end? Well, that's yet to be seen. And you know, it's the same for us today. As disciples, as, as followers of the Lord Jesus, we are lifelong learners of Christ. At the start, we put our trust in Jesus, but we continue to put our trust in him each and every day, learning and holding firm to him until the end. You see, it's not about how well we start the Christian walk. We, we may start with great zeal. But unless we hold firm until the end, 
Well, it's all for nothing. To be a true disciple of the Lord Jesus, we will be people who will continue and hold firm in the faith until the end. And so it's why we gather on Sundays. It's why we gather during the week in our, in our midweek discipleship teams so that we can point each other to Christ, that we can encourage and, and challenge and rebuke one another to, to live for him, particularly in the world that, that rejects him and hates him and doesn't want anything to do with him and wants us to reject him too. And so it's why we need each other. It's why we need each other to encourage each other to hold firm in the faith until the end. We'll have a look there from verse 32. Jesus says to to those who believe, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so by continuing in Jesus' teaching, we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Which raises a couple of questions, I think. What, What is the truth? And what is it that we are enslaved to if we need to be set free? And the reality is, is as, as the story continues, it's that second question that the, the, the people that Jesus speaks to that they pick up on. Have a look there from verse uh, 33. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? You see, the Jews weren't slaves. They were free people. Freedom was their birthright. Uh, Even for the poorest among them, they were all free. You see, they saw themselves as, as children of God, and so they were royal children, slaves of no one. And sure, they, they had been subject to, to political rule. If you think of the, the superpowers of the day, there's, there's Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. They had all ruled over God's people. But as the Old Testament teaches us, uh, and, and as what they believed, is those nations, those superpowers were controlled by God. And God used them as, as instruments to, to bring judgment for, for their rebellious ways. And so they were Abraham's uh, descendants and so were people of great privilege and freedom. They were not slaves. And so what Jesus says next in verse 34 would have been quite shocking. He says, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Jesus explains that because they sin, they're slaves of sin. You see, sin is, is rebelling against God's good rule, the one who made us all. It's missing the mark of, of God's standards, transgressing, disobeying God's directive. It's, it's the pride and, and arrogance and hostility we have towards God. And look, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll see that. We'll, we'll acknowledge that we haven't acted perfectly towards God at all times. Certainly we can be proud and arrogant towards God, even hostile towards him by, by not acknowledging him as in, in his rightful place as king and lord over us all, as our maker and our judge. And while we are all guilty of sin, in fact slaves of sin, as Jesus tells us, and you know what? It, it's right. As someone who has believed myself for, for, for a number of years, there, there are times where, oh gee, I'd love to be able to stop it. 
I just feel enslaved. I, I, I just can't stop. I, I struggle with sin daily. And yet, Jesus tells us this truth so that the truth will set us free. And so the reality is, what will we do with this truth? Will we recognise it as true or will we push back against it? You see, Jesus tells the the crowds that they are slaves of sin and that really strikes at the very root, the very core of their assurance because slaves don't belong to the family. Have a look there from verse 35. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free... You will be free indeed. You see, slaves don't have no permanent place in the family. They could be sold or given away at any time, but the son remains. He is part of the family forever, and so he is the one who can give freedom. He alone can liberate slaves. You see, what we've seen in John's Gospel so far is that Jesus has been given full authority from his Father in heaven As the Son of God, he is the one who can liberate and free slaves. And only Jesus can give true freedom. And so when the Son liberates and sets people free, they are truly free from sin. And this is the wonderful and great truth of of Jesus as, as he's revealed it to them but also to us. This is the truth, but what will we do with it? Do we want freedom? I heard about this, uh, this, this Christian guy who had an unbelieving uh, barber, his friend, his hairdresser, and they're walking down the street together uh, and they'll, the subject kind of got on to, to God's love. And the barber said to, to his friend, he said, look, if God was as loving as you say, how is it that he can permit all this poverty, disease and awful stuff to exist in the world? I cannot believe that a loving God would permit these things. And the believer, well, he remained silent until he saw a man walking down the street who was particularly unkempt and filthy. His hair was a shambles. It was long, it was gross. He, he had massive, like, massive stubble on his face, probably a bit like my beard. Uh, but anyway, he, he then said, you can't be a very good barber or you wouldn't permit a man like this to live in your neighbourhood without a haircut or shave. And yet the barber indignantly said, hey, you can't blame me for this man's condition. I can't help it if he's like that. He's never come to my shop. Why, I could fix him up and make him look a million bucks in no time. If only he would let me. And so the friend looks at his barber with a deep look and says, then don't blame God for allowing people to continue in their evil and sinful ways when God has constantly invited them to come and be saved. You see, God tells people of this truth, that they are slaves of sin and yet they reject and deny this truth. They don't want the freedom that he's on offer. They reject the one who died to save and rescue them. And the barber saw the point. You see, Jesus tells us the truth and the truth will set you free but we must trust this truth. 
and continue in it. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Well, the Jews, they deny being slaves of sin, claiming to be free because of their family connection. And so the Jews, they'll claim two fathers, and yet Jesus will tell them who their father really is. Uh, First up is Abraham. Have a look there from verse uh, 39. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. You see, if Abraham was their father, like they claim, they would be like Abraham. And what was Abraham? He was a great man of faith. And so they would be great people of faith too if he was their father. Now, there's a really helpful word distinction that's made here. Jesus affirms, verse 37, that they are descendants of Abraham. So if you go, if they go back far enough, Abraham is their great, 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 however many greats you need to add, grandfather. That is true. But see, what he denies He says they are not children of Abraham. They are descendants, not children. Now, I wonder if you're just thinking, is this just a difference between tomato and tomato kind of thing? Tomato, tomato, children, descendants, is that kind of what's going on? Anyway, I did some Googling this week. And do you know there is a right way to say tomato? It's tomato. That is the way that it's uh, in the dictionary. So there is truth. Uh, Tomato. Tomato. and so, but, but as far as the distinction that Jesus makes here in children uh, and descendants, this is really helpful for us because he will acknowledge they are descendants but not children because they are not children of the promise. We see it in Romans 9, but we see it in many other places uh, up on the screen where it says, it is not the children by physical descent, the descendants, who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who were regarded as Abraham's offspring. And so what is it about Abraham? Well, he was the man of great faith, who heard God's voice and trusted and obeyed God's word, even when it seemed impossible to believe, like having a son with his wife who was so old, so well past being able to have children, God said, you're going to have a kid, and and they did. Despite the unbelievable, Abraham believed and trust God's word. And while they claim to be Abraham's uh, children, they don't do what Abraham did, who believed and trusted God's word. What are they like? Well, despite meeting God in the flesh, will they reject Jesus? They reject his word and his truth. They are not like Abraham at all. And so if Abraham is not their father, well, they, they have another go. Have a look there at verse uh, 41. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. 
claiming uh, God as their father is really consistent with the Old Testament. But as we've already seen in John's uh, gospel, uh, at the very start in chapter 1, we see that to those up on the screen, to those who believed in his name, who believe in Jesus, God has given the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or, or a husband's will, but born of God. And so if God was really their father, they'd see Jesus for who he really is and love him and trust him as God's promised future king. But they don't. And so they are not children of God. Well, they've had two failed attempts of uh, telling uh, telling Jesus who their father is, and so Jesus tells them out. Have a look there at verse uh, 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, the father of lies. You see, children do what their fathers do. And they do just like the devil. You see, the devil is adverse to God against him in every way. And the crowds and the way they respond to Jesus is just like the devil. They seek to kill him and reject his word. You see, the devil is the the, the murderer from the beginning, like we see in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 when he lies, the the, the father of lives, to deceive Eve to eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, And that was the first rebellion against God that saw death enter the world. He is the first murderer, the king of lives. There is quite a contrast, isn't there? You have God, the God of truth, and the devil full of lies and untruth. And lies are what come natural to him, like a group of friends who may bond over art and, and speak about art things when they catch up. Well, the devil, uh, for the devil, untruth and lies just come natural to him. Verse 47, have a look there. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. He said they don't belong to God because they don't listen to the truth. To hear isn't just to to hear the words go into your ears. It is to to listen to the truth and to respond in faith, to believe and obey. And you see, they do not belong to God. They are like the devil who rejects Jesus and wants him dead. They deny and reject all truth. Children are just like their fathers. We do what our Father does. When we reject Jesus, we're on the devil's team. When we deny him as Lord and King of all things, we side with the devil. And yet Jesus tells us this truth so that we would know the truth and to know it that we would respond in obedience and faith. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Jesus challenges the very core of who they are. Their understanding of who they are is is challenged by Jesus. 
And so they think Jesus is a madman, a crazy man. And so they ask him in verse 52, verse 52, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are, Jesus? And he says some things that he's already highlighted to us before in the, in the previous chapters that, that he knows the God, pers- he knows the Father personally, that he seeks and honors and glorifies God, his Father. But it's what Jesus says in verse 58 that he's most clear about his identity and that he really drives these people listening bonkers. They go crazy. Have a look there at verse 58. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. You see, it's those last two words that drew them crazy because it identified him most clearly in who he was. You see, in these two words, I am, he is claiming to be God himself because that language, I am, echoes God revealing himself to Moses in the second book of the Bible, in Exodus uh, chapter 3, where God's people are, are slaves, uh, being poorly treated in Egypt, and God speaks to Moses through a burning bush and explains that, that he, God, will rescue his people, bring them out of slavery and bring them into their own land. And, and at this exchange, at this burning bush, God reveals himself to, to Moses as the great I am. Uh, God said, I am who I am. And we're going to look at this in more detail next term. We're going to be reading the book of uh, Exodus uh, together as a, as a church. But at this moment, God reveals himself to Moses as the great I am. And it's a phrase that's linked with the godness, the deity of God throughout. It is the identity of God, I am. And so as we skip back forward to, to John chapter 8, when Jesus says, I am, Jesus is claiming to be God himself, God in the flesh before them. And he reveals this as clear as day. He couldn't have been more clearer. Who do you think you are, Jesus? I am God himself, the eternal word become flesh like we've seen at the very start. We've had the privilege of knowing this from the very start. Jesus couldn't be clearer about his identity. And the Jews... The crowds were listening to Jesus at this point. They get it. They understand what Jesus has said and they are outraged. Have a look there at verse 59. At this they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. You see, to to be claiming to be God himself, the great I am, they thought Jesus was blaspheming, profaning God's holy name. And so stoning, he needed to be stoned to death. And you see, that was the, the punishment uh, for those who blasphemed God's name. So from Leviticus, I've got it up there on the screen, anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to be put to death. The entire assembly must stone them. But you see, the punishment of stoning wasn't just to be was to be was meant to be the result of, of a calm and ordered, righteous judicial uh, decision, not just outrage and mob violence and her mentality that we see here. They were outraged and wanted his blood, and yet Jesus slips away. You see, Jesus makes these incredible claims 
He knows the truth. And we can know that too. And it will set us free. And how can he make these audacious, audacious, incredible claims? Well, he is the one and only God Almighty, the great I Am. The truth is we are slaves to sin and we do our Father's bidding. And yet Jesus tells us that he, only he, the great Son, can liberate us from sin. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And in less than one year from this point, Jesus will go to the cross where he will die the death we deserve for our rebellious ways and yet death could not hold him down. He rose to life and gives life to those who listen and trust and obey his Son. And this is the wonderful truth and good news of the Gospel. That forgiveness can be ours when we we trust in him and and continue in him. And this is the truth that will set us free. Jesus was the only one sinless person ever who was truly free. The only one who's ever been truly free. And how does he use his freedom? It's in full obedience to the Father. He went to the cross to die and rose to give us life. You see, he used his true freedom in full obedience to his Father in heaven. And that is the same for us today. We can have true and lasting freedom by trusting in the Son. And we are to use our freedom to serve God and one another. You see, true freedom isn't being free to do whatever I want, whenever I want to. Where do you use our freedom to, to obey God and to serve others? <clears throat> but do we actually act like free people in this world? Or are we enslaved to the things of this world, of our careers, of our family, of studies, of money, of our retirement nesting. You see, these things can suck us from being truly free. True Christian, true Christian freedom allows us to do the things that are foreign and strange to us so that we can love and, and serve others with the gospel. We need to exercise our freedom in the loving service of others maybe even foregoing our rights to love and serve them. By knowing the truth, we have been set free. We have been liberated, by, been liberated from sin and all that entangles because we have come to Christ as we live with him as our Lord and King. Let's pray. Father God Almighty, we give you great thanks for our Lord Jesus, the King of truth who has revealed the truth to us, that we may be set free, set free from the clutches of evil and sin and judgment and all that that entails, and set free to love and serve you and your people. Father, please do help us do that well. 
that you may use us to build and encourage one another up, to be reminded of the true freedom we have in Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.